What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Tuesday, November 12th, 2019. My name is Gabriel. You can find me on social media at Double G on TV. And I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy Tuesday. More importantly, how close are we to Thanksgiving? I feel like it's almost here. I don't know. Am I am I the only one thinking about it? <laughs> I mean, you're eating for two, so of course you are. But that's that's, yeah. wrong. that's not bad at all. What's up, Natalie Z? You know what? So here's the thing. I have Smash Global coming up in, you know, right about mid-December. So that's, you know, right there is that, you know, this is when I start to hit training camp. It's not that I don't eat. It's not that I eat unhealthy by any means. But at a certain point, you realize there's going to be a lot of cameras there. And, you know, if anything, the holidays, even when you're good, the fact is you are encouraged to overindulge every now and then which is a bad thing when you know a lot of people are going to be watching you in a few weeks so i try to like you know what just i know what i'm gonna eat i'm gonna just leave it there nope no second helping please thank you we're good so that's that's impressive discipline it's it's not even the main meal that gets people it's the food leading up to it on Thanksgiving and then the, 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 the leftovers and then like Christmas is the worst. Cause for some reason everyone loves to bring cookies to work and I, they should. <laughs> yes, they should. But it's like, Whoa, after a while you can only eat so many. So, so yeah, it's never the main meal that, that that'll kill you. It's all the lead up and the follow up. No, oh, believe me. And then they're all like, hey, the pie is on sale. Don't you want to get this cake? You know, these are specially yes. baked seasonal. And I'm like, stop it. Yeah. It ain't fair. <laughs> but, you know, like, look, that's self-control, man. Like, okay, not to go off too much. But you know when they say, ah, oh, Facebook is selling your information. They're, they're, you know, to, you know, your ads. You're going to get specific ads. And I'm like, are you saying you don't have the self-control not to buy stuff? <laughs> it's that simple yeah there's a lot of cool stuff i get ads for i know i shouldn't buy it you know i know i yeah. shouldn't go for that second pack of cookies or slice of cake it's that simple guys i'm a sucker for good marketing so that stuff does sort of work on me <laughs> depending on what it is gotta be strong <laughs> yeah That's all it is just be strong you could do it <laughs> no i will not reach for that credit card again <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, guys, obviously that's we have. When, what do you do when you already memorize the number, though? That's when you're in trouble. Oh, you screwed. <laughs> <laughs> that's just a bad habit. That's you got to do it all at once. That way you don't, you know, build up. Or hey, ask the bank to give send you a new one. Yeah, for like, your own yeah. for your own safety. Tell them it got stolen, so they give me a new one. <laughs> no, but guys, we got a very fun show. Obviously, we'll touch on a lot of the little stuff. Um, nothing really breaking. Nobody is hurt, thankfully. Nobody signed a new fight that they announced, unfortunately. So we'll just be talking about a lot of the little stuff going on this week. First off, Alexander Volk, sorry, Zabit Magomed Sharapov against Calvin Cater. In Moscow, obviously Volkov was in the co-main event, but Zabist goes the distance with Cater. Natalie, what were your thoughts on that fight? Yeah, man, I mean, it was a good fight. Cater, Cater did what I thought he would, which was try to use his, his boxing. And uh, I think what was interesting about Zabit is that we've seen him 
he still has all the fancy moves and the spinning this and that. But um, but when he's up against a tough guy that comes forward, like it doesn't necessarily do all that much to to inhibit the the forward pressure. So I don't know if he has. I wouldn't say he has to like continue evolving his game because it's pretty high level. But there's definitely what's lacking, I guess, for him is that power, the knockout power, the power to hurt somebody, because he just kind of hits you with a hundred shots and then you know. That's how he wins. Now it's still very exciting. I'm not knocking it at all at all. But just thinking ahead of like Max Holloway, who doesn't really have knockout power either and kind of has that similar like cardio for days style. So, you know, it was a great fight. And I think I think, you know, okay, we got Ortega and Korean Zombie coming up, but you know, if I'm gonna root for anyone to get a title shot next, just because we've already seen the Brian Ortega one, I would go for Korean Zombie or Zabit. Uh, assuming Korean Zombie gets past Brian Ortega, so I'm looking for I'm looking ahead a little bit, but but that's kind of what his what's the beat to win has got me thinking. No, I'm 100% with you. I think that was a beat uh, very impressive. I think that was as much of the preparation of Cater as much uh, was uh, the performance of Zabit. I think that you know Calvin all training camp hands up chin down. All those spins and all that only land if you give him that opening. And I think he did a good job of avoiding, you know, getting into a bad spot, leaving that shot for Zabit to land. And, you know, credit to Zabit. It wasn't there, so he just kept throwing and he ran away with the first two rounds pretty handily, I felt like. Um, to his credit, he kept a lot in boxing range. And I think that that was a very risky move that showed that he is good with his hands. He is game. But once again, you talk about it. When you talk about volume, okay, if the flashy stuff doesn't land, which, let's be honest, it doesn't necessarily always land for guys like MVP or Israel Adesanya, for example, then you, the point is that you've landed enough stuff that the accumulation has run away on the scorecards. Or, you know, you've broken down your opponent, their legs stop moving, XYZ, right? We, we've seen this a hundred times. If MVP doesn't get a knockout, well... He's landed enough stuff over the course of a fight. He's made the opponent more timid. Same with Israel. I think with Zabit, what you saw was just, you know, he talked about being sick a little bit. The fight was moved. I'll give him a little bit of a pass there. But like you said, we're talking about what, what do you expect this guy to do against a Max Holloway, a Brian Ortega, a high-level guy like that that we've seen, right? And I will say that I think that's going to be the struggle is that I feel like if the stuff doesn't land, he doesn't always have as much volume. And I think that that's why the fight with Jeremy Stevens, for example, earlier this year, wasn't as much of a runaway as people thought it would be going the distance. Same thing with this one on Saturday. So I really do think that it just comes down to what does he execute as his plan B? You know, and I think that literally just comes down to more volume. Like, look, you don't have to put them away. A lot of guys, you know, at the high level don't necessarily have one shot, you know, that puts you to sleep for a month, Francis Ngannou power. It just comes down to doing more damage if you're going to do that and you're not going to land. So I think that's what I want to see from Zabit. I want to see him kind of up his uh, output if he knows he's not getting it. But besides that, like you said, the entire arsenal is there. Cater is a very tough guy with a lot of experience. And I think that's just what you're looking for, is see what's left for Zabit. But um, 
yeah, when you talk about it, if you were looking for this fight to kind of jump Zabit past a lot of guys, it just didn't happen. And I think that's what we saw on Saturday night. Yeah, exactly. Super strong performance, still impressive. You still want to see him against higher level competition, but you didn't walk away going, oh my God, give him a title shot right now. So, Yeah, um, I will say I am with you. Korean Zombie is a very good uh, name, very good candidate. Um, it sucks when you're on the other side of the knockout of the year against uh, Yair Rodriguez last year because that really, just like um, Alistair Overeem and everyone else, that can really take the wind out of your sails but at the end of the day he gets by Ortega he's my pick for a title shot now if Ortega wins then now suddenly the game gets more complicated we'll obviously get an answer for that you know late you know late in December but I think that for my money if you're talking about well let's say Max beats uh, Volkanovski that's what's gonna happen so you know I, I think that um that's just mixing it up. And I think that those are the two guys, you know, uh, Korean Zombie and Zabit, or I'm going to mention another name right now. Those two fights, and then maybe Max considers a move up to lightweight, but those are now the hurdles we got to cross. Which brings us to what's next. If Holloway or Volkanovski is not next, who do you see for Zabit? Um, you know what would be interesting is Yair. Um... But I don't know if he's too low in the rankings for that. To be honest, he's Yair's my pick. Um, I think that stylistically it's a fun fight. Go ahead. No, yeah, I'm sorry. Just, I was just looking at the rankings now. He's ranked six, so that's, that would be a really exciting fight. Yeah, and I also, like, they have the history, they have the styles. Um, I really do think that they'd out, you know, out ninja each other in the cage, just jump and fly and all this other good stuff. Um, so I think that's very fun. I'm going to tell you something, though, that I did not expect to happen. When you're talking about last year, Zabit is on a roll. Yair, we're not sure when he's going to come back, if he's going to come back at this point. And then in the last, you know, it's been about 12 months now since the knockout of the year, there's been almost like a 180 swing. I would argue that Yair, off his performance with Jeremy, off the momentum of the knockout last year, I would say he is now the one that looks more formidable. Whereas you asked me, you know, last October before he stepped in against the zombie, I would tell you Zabit has gone, he has just flown by Yair Rodriguez. They are now more on an even playing field, and I really like the idea of them having to take out each other if they want that big fight for the title. Yeah, I think that's a pretty exciting fight. Like, the more I think about it, it's kind of like a no-brainer because of their styles. So, let's do it. I mean, Zabit, he seemed fine as far as injuries go. So, maybe we can see this in first quarter or second quarter 2020. That, that would be my plan. And, um, you know, once again, if Max, look, if there's a fight at lightweight for Max, maybe he tries it again. Um, if he wants to wait or let, like I said, Korean zombie, maybe he gets in there. If it's Brian Ortega, I don't know. We might see Yair or somebody jump in there. But for my money, I do think that they're going to put Zabit and Yair together, find something else to do with Max in the interim, if not the zombie. Yeah. Yeah, but a lot of good stuff. Um, 
Alexander Volkov did what I think a lot of people expected, uses that range, you know, just outpointed Greg Hardy in the, uh, in the co-main event. That one came together pretty late, obviously. And just another night from Russia. There was some good stuff, some uh, different stuff, a lot of jostling in the rankings. So overall, a nice morning of MMA. Natalie, I got to ask you, what did you do with the evening? Because I know what I did, but I don't know if you ever ended up joining us for the boxing um, exhibition. Yeah, I did actually. I went to a, first. I went to a birthday party in Whittier, so that was excellent. Oh. And then I came home and watched uh, after the fact KS One Logan Paul. And uh, did you just call KS One? KSI. Sorry. <laughs> no, hey, I was gonna you say if you. Hey, I, I did. I was like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> Don't no, get me wrong, you you are given a full pass if you got that. I'm okay. No, no, with you it. know what it is? Is that every time I see it written out like in his logo, I think to myself, I think that I looks like a one. Why did he design it like that? And so now there you go. It's so burned in my head. Knowledge, strength, integrity, right? Is that what it stands for? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So I made my husband watch it too. Just because, you know, I mean, I don't know. We watch combat sports, and you kind of you want to see the whole the whole spectrum of it. So I, I did, and uh, I'll let you were there. So I'll let you uh, I'll let you tell us how it was. How did it go? How how was the crowd? How was Bieber? Uh, you know what? Uh, Justin and I hung out. He was cool. Um, he told me that you know what? Um, not this album. The next album, we'll do our collab. And I'm like, all right, bro, I'm ready. I got ideas. Ready to okay. speak some rhymes. No, but um. In all honesty, I'm going to be very blunt. Uh, they did not show me the love that they gave my boxing uh, comrades who they see every week. So I'll leave it at that. But um, uh, I'll be honest. Uh, so what are the blunt things? The crowd. There were a lot more 20, early 20-somethings, like college age, than I expected. There were obviously a lot of, you know, more teens, preteens with the mom and dad chaperones a lot. But... I think that's the thing that surprised me. There were a lot more college-age kids than I think people expected. But, um, you know, I would say about 60, 40, you know, 18 to 20 being the majority and that other 40% being the young Generation Z, as you probably think of it in your head. So that was it. Um, I'm not going to lie, though. The one thing I realized is that, you know, you go to one of these things, you immediately feel your age. You're not old, but you're not young either. Um, I went out there, you know, to the concourse, and people were just, all these teens just mobbing some random 20, 20-something looking dude. And I was like, who's that? Oh, he's on YouTube. And I'm like, <clears throat> yep, that's, I can feel my back <laughs> tightening up just listening to that. I'm on YouTube that. too, she told him. Uh, right? Uh, I, we, hey, I'm, I know I'm not allowed to say I'm on YouTube compared to them, <laughs> but um, it's true, but I, I, know, I know my lane. But um, look, uh, in terms of the show, uh, there were good talents on the card. They did not deliver, I think, the way I, a lot of people expected them to. I thought that KSI and Logan really did, uh, under the circumstances, they went at each other. I was happy with that, but uh, the pacing, you know, you could tell they were taking breaks for the broadcast, and then the fights that you expected to really go fast, they ended up being more methodical, and it was just an oddly paced card, and look, you know, 
a lot of people got paid when it's not me it's like look you do what you do to make money whether you're DAZN, Matchroom or KSI and Logan I will go on the record this though both Logan and KSI were really kind and really uh, respectful with me and you know what I think they were really insightful and they really did come out to uh, make themselves proud I will say that and I think that that would I respect both individuals for what they did. They did go out there and try to hit each other for real. And I'll give them that. You know what? If I were in their shoes, you would have seen me headlining Staples Center too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're not boxers, in my opinion. They're not boxers, they're not fighters. But they wanted to settle a grudge with boxing gloves. And they did that. And they did their best. You know, they trained. You can tell they took it seriously and went as far as time and their current athletic abilities could take them um i really though one of my bigger takeaways was that logan paul got screwed because that ref took away two points and i can't believe it <laughs> i heard the thing said you know uh he wanted a quote even playing field in my mind i was like uh, are we a little late for this but okay i'll let yeah, you roll with it bro to, yeah if you say so but yeah i'm I'm with you there. Uh, I think that that really changed the scope of the fight. And if we're being honest, that was on Logan. The fight was done. You would have had it on points. You let it get away. So yeah. But look, if they want number three, once again, you, you look, kids, go get paid. Go get after it. But yeah, make that beautiful money and enjoy your life. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's the end. The that's the headline, right? <laughs> exactly. So a lot of very interesting stuff there, but that was it. Let's talk about a another circus. We I was going to talk about it last week, and we ran out of time, but I wanted us to touch on it. Kane Velasquez, Brock Lesnar, WWE. We've been seeing Kane Velasquez fly for the last what three or four months. And then they got that. What happened? I mean, that was so weird. <laughs> I was like, what? Was this like, did they, did, they run, did they run out of time? Or did, you know, did they have to like call an audible and, and completely change the match? Because it was so weird and disappointing. And I mean, you know, these are amazing storytellers over at WWE. They, they, they set you up for the long game. And it seems like they have every piece in place, every character and storyline going, you know, as far back as they can, looking as far ahead as they can. So this, I just have to, I have to believe that there's something bigger ahead, that they did this for a really good reason. Because what the hell was that? I don't know, man. It was like, what, a Kimura? How did he end it? It was like really weird. And Cain Velasquez in those shorts that's superficial, but I didn't like the shorts thing. I feel like he should just wear the pants. So it was very odd. Very odd. Personally, to me, the one where I drew the line was the boots. <laughs> just... They were like knee-high, like thigh-high boots. Kane in those short. boots. I was like, Kane, who told you those were a good idea? Like Nancy Sinatra over there. That, that <laughs> reference is too Like, old. Kane, you a bad <laughs> mofo. You are a BMF yourself, but man, you... It's like when Brock Lesnar confronted DC and he looked like Puss in Boots with his cowboy boots. Yeah, his pointy cowboy like, boots, yeah. I was like, yeah, like they really got to crop that photo. You ain't doing Brock no favors. And that's saying something. It's Brock freaking Lesnar. Um, you know what? Uh, it, it's weird. Um, 
Look, I'm not about to act like I know the ins and outs of uh, wrestling, but I do know that this was a big event. It wasn't a regular. It was what you would call a pay-per-view. Uh, so it's not something that they're putting on cable, the Raw, the SmackDown on USA and Fox. So I understood this is a bigger one. Now, I also understand sometimes when they do like the WrestleMania and the big one, that sucker is like 10 hours long. They kind of throw a few stars out early just because you're not about to have them wait for 12 hours in production. I get that. But then you hear about there was some kind of holdup with them getting back for SmackDown on Friday overseas. And I was just like, something is just weird right now. So, you know, I, I would only imagine this was a production thing for a reason that they are not going to disclose. But when I saw that, I was like, you know, I, I was ready for, you know, what do what is he called? El Toro? You know, yeah. instead we got, I mean, look, it's exactly what you didn't want. That fight was more boring than the real one. It was, and, and, you, and you had the full, you know, breadth of the human imagination to work with here. You could have done whatever you wanted, and that's what you came up with. It's, I'm telling you, there's got to be some kind of bigger payoff. Because, because why else would they do that? Let me ask you a question. Do you think Brock Lesnar's actually ever hit a Kimura in practice? I'm not talking like he led an opponent, you know, he's being taught the move and he does it correctly. I'm talking about he genuinely rolls with somebody and he's got someone with a Kimura with his jiu-jitsu. I don't think so. I think he just, he's so big and strong, like he, that, he doesn't even need to do any of that. He can just sit on you or hold you down. No, I don't think so. Yeah, I could see him breaking a ton of, uh, you know, doing damage with Americanas. But I feel like if Brock Lesnar is in a position where he's able to Kimura somebody, he could do a lot of other stuff. That's what I thought. I was like, yeah, yeah. You run the, you run a real fight a hundred times. Brock doesn't ever Kimura Cain Velasquez. That's what I found shocking. Uh, I would have been like, man, just go for the Americana. Would have looked a lot better. But okay, you know, look. That's their jam. Once again, more guys getting paid. Y'all get it. Secure the bag. <laughs> um, let's talk about some other stuff going on in the world of MMA. There was quite the episode of... Uh, I always want to call it the MMA Hour. I don't know about you. With Ariel Hawani on yeah. ESPN. Do you have that problem? I do. And I like that name better, but obviously couldn't take it with them. Uh, I, I don't know, Ariel Helwani's MMA show just seems a little goofy, so if he wasn't able to keep the MMA hour, I wish he had picked something else. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny because apparently now he did what used to be the MMA reporters, now he also calls that the Helwani show. Yeah, he changed, he like basically added a second uh, day of his podcast because he said that he was, um, he felt restricted on day two or, you know, on Wednesdays to just talk to reporters. He wanted to do more things. And sometimes there were people he wanted to talk to that he couldn't talk to on Monday. So I really liked the format he was doing with the reporters with having folks call in or in studio. Um, but I haven't listened to it since the change. So I don't know how, how different it really is. Well, my whole thing was I, and I also tweeted him this and, you know, respectfully, he did reply to me. I was like, wait, so what's the first show called now? And then he's like, it's the same. And then, I was not the only one who had the question mark. Like, what? You know, but it's like, oh, hey, look, it's ESPN, it's Ariel. The, if anyone's supposed to know what they're doing, it's them. So I'm going to leave it at that. You know, if that's 
getting them, you know, SEO and all that, but I'm not going to lie, it's a little confusing, but let's be honest, it's the biggest show in MMA, it's the one all the real fans tune in for, it's where a lot of people get their info, and yesterday's episode was quite stacked. Let's start with the elephant in the room. Nick Diaz talks for an hour, uh, Ariel Helwani talks for about 30 seconds and change. Um... Nick had a lot to say. It was his first interview. Um, I think the biggest thing that I got from him, he's clearly busy with his own thing. I think that his feelings about fighting haven't changed in the five years. And I did not get the inclination that he really was about to make a big, long comeback. But the one thing he did seem to throw out was that he'd be okay throwing down with Jorge Masvidal, reclaim, quote, the BMF title and avenge baby brother's loss. What do you think about that? I mean, and, and I appreciate his fighter, fighting spirit and that, you know, he, you know, it's his little brother. He wants, yeah, he wants to avenge the loss. And he's like, I'll get in there. I'll fight this guy. Um, so, so that's, as you know, as someone who has siblings, it's cool to know when your siblings have your back. But, I mean, come on. <laughs> There's no chance, one, that they would book, the UFC would book that fight, and two, that I think Nick Diaz would last a minute. And, and it's no offense to him, it's just Jorge Masvidal is that, is really, really, really that good. And Nick Diaz hasn't fought in a very, very long time. And even the last time he fought didn't show much that would lead me to believe he'd be much competition for Jorge Masvidal at this stage in his life. So it's more kind of like pie in the sky talk. And, you know, in a perfect world, if if he was, you know, young Nick Diaz versus even current Jorge Masvidal, would that fight be, be competitive? Probably, but I think Masvidal is just a far superior fighter. So it's just talk. <laughs> it's just like backing up your brother talk and that's it. Uh, I'd like to say, you know, I, I love the story, like you said. I mean, why not? That is... That'd be good TV, wouldn't it? Just a great story. You know, a very big, you know, WTF for the BMF, as we like to say. But, um, yeah, I, I'm with you there. You know, you're talking about five-year layoff. You're talking about, you know, he kind of had a one-year off, I think, before the Anderson fight. That's just a little too much. And, you know, like, look, you know, I, I get it. That's who these guys are, and that's why we love them. Um, just like The Rock said about Nate calling him out, it's like, that's who he is, and I'm good with it. That's who Nick is at the end of the day. That It's no act. That is who they are as people. Um, a lot, of, And look, there's a reason people love him. It's because you know it's not fake, and by all means, you know, if you're a big DS fan, I get it. But, let's call it what it is. That is not about to happen and end well for Nick um, 99 out of 100. I feel like at this stage in the game, Masvidal on a run. Yeah, I think that that's that's Nick saying what I think he believes he felt he should say, and I'm all for it. But I am under no you know superstition that fight you know is not the one to make. It is Jorge versus one of the guys fighting in a couple weeks in December. So that were, that was my thought on it. But once again, I'm here for the story. I I'm not gonna say I'm against it. I I heard that and I'm like. Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Would I watch it? Yeah, of course. So yeah, of course, of course. you put it on TV. Of course I will. I mean, <laughs> I watched KSI and Logan Paul. 
Not, I'm not comparing them at all, but I mean that I'm open to the full range of combat sports. Oh, I tweeted that out. I was like, you know, Nick coming back to do all this. And I was like, well, I mean, I just got back from the Staples Center where it was packed house by two boxing YouTubers. So I'm not about to lie and say that's impossible. Yeah. We are living in crazy times. It's wonderful. I mean, yeah, a fight. Ultimately, a fight is a fight. Like how many of those like connoisseur of combat, you know, Twitter fights do you watch little videos like a fight's a fight and so i'm always game for, for a fight but just looking at the 15 the top 15 in welterweight like i i don't think nick diaz would stand a chance against anybody here forget forget jorge masvidal you know what i'm gonna yeah. go against you i say make it a main event and put the rematch habib and the bear on the co-main event <laughs> uh, you know what yeah, that works too. But actually, I take it back. Ben Askren, he might. That might be an interesting fight. That might be like maybe competitive. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna lie. I would love to see Nick roll with Ben. Yeah. That that that's you know straight up the grappling on those two. That was that would be more entertaining. The only problem is I feel like Nick would absolutely not be interested. He just want to box him, and it's like, come on. Agree to he grapple. Might, That'd be he fun. might win, though. Like, I think he actually has a chance to beat Ben Askren if they just keep it on the feet. That's. Uh, I think I'm that serious. might be a low bar. <laughs> <laughs> and no, but uh, no, it's, you're not wrong. I'll say that you're not wrong. Uh, let's move on some other stuff. Rose Namajunas made a very big public appearance. She did say she's found her passion for fighting. She did talk about, you know, look, she's an individual, you know the loss and everything, the way she lives her life, that it was a very tough few months there after losing to Jessica. And, you know, now that she's feeling a little bit better about it, what are your thoughts on where Rose Namunis is at? I'm happy to see, you know, that she's popped her head back, uh, back into the spotlight a little bit. Um, I'm a huge fan of hers and always, always honest with us. And, and you got to appreciate that. So she opens up about, having lost her passion for martial arts and how, you know, by winning the belt, she ended up doing everything that she like wanted to avoid. You know, she didn't want to be defined by the belt. And that was what happened that, that she says it's not, it was on her mind every day, all day. And I guess that I can understand how, if that is what happens after you win a belt, you're kind of relieved not to have to sweat it out anymore once you lose it. Um, but yeah, I think, I think what we'll see from her is she'll just take any fight that's, that's put in front of her and, and not necessarily be vying for the belt, but won't turn down the championship fight either. And that's kind of cool. I'm excited. Yeah. I think it's very exciting with her there. Um, I think there's a lot of great matchups to be made for her. Um, just, I mean, look at it. I mean. I know Tatiana Suarez is still on the shelf, but wouldn't that be awesome in a title eliminator? Um, you know, Michelle Watterson, the rematch, she's doing well. Jessica Andrade. Um, there's just so many people you could really match her up with that are doing well in the division. Obviously, you know, the you know Rose Namunas who beat Joanna Yonjechik against Weili Zhang. That's, you know, I mean, hello. That's one of the best fights you could make at strawweight. So I'm very excited to see her back. I'm just very glad that she sounds like she's in a good spot. And that's the biggest thing. You can't just, look, they're people. You can't just be like, you know, fight, 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 fight. You know, you want to make sure everything's being handled. And I think that was the concern for her after the fight. 
now she's on track. I'm ready to be excited to see her back at Strawweight. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, me too. I mean, this is a win-win for fans. She's back. She's ready, or she's back, and she's mm, she's saying that she's back and that she's ready to fight in the near future. You know, this is this is all good news. Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you because there was a little more, a little video going around. You got Tyson Fury hitting mitts and drilling with Darren Till. Stipe Miocic saying, hey, I'm ready for that over Daniel Cormier. I mean, what? Are we about to have another crossover? Is Tyson Fury about to do in 12 months boxing, wrestling, and UFC? Natalie, are we living in these times? We're definitely living in these times. Um, and, and the UFC, I, don't, I doubt, would turn Tyson Fury away from the octagon. I really do. But... Gosh, did you? If you saw the footage, just the very beginning of it is him like trying to do sprawls, and you know, first time out trying to do it fine. But I just don't think that he can get. I mean, no, no one, no real MMA fan, I think, will expect Tyson Fury to be MMA ready in you know a short amount of time, a year even. So I don't want to see that fight. Um, in the, in the cage, and I don't want to see it in the ring because he'll just own Stipe in the ring. Stipe will own him in the cage. It's fun to talk about, but I mean, come on, <laughs> like, come on, that's it. I just come on. That's all I got. You know what? I'd like to point out that at six nine, I want to say that yeah, he is taller than Stipe and Ganu and Volkov. That helps. Um, you know what? If he really wants it, by all means, go go for it, bro. But if I'm being honest, what I'd rather you do is you get in there, handle some business with Wilder. I want to see you fight Anthony Joshua too. And 2021, let's bring you in. But handle your business. I'd rather see that. And then if you really want this, by all means, let's see. Let's put you in there with somebody, Tyson. If you're really passionate, go for it. Yeah, that's a great point. Finish your business in the boxing in the boxing world first because there are legitimate, exciting fights and a lot of money to be made, way more money to be made. And for Stipe, just finish the trilogy, man. Like, let's finish it out. If you're if you're better than DC, go prove it. Let DC walk off into the sunset. Don't keep him waiting. And then I suppose we can circle back on this conversation. I will say this. I want the Darren Till, Tyson Fury bromance to rival the Tyron Woodley, Ben Askren romance. You know, that one. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have the personalities for it. And you throw a little Conor McGregor in there, that's a triple win. I mean, they, I just want to see some best buds helping each other. I think <laughs> that, I, I love it. I feel like we don't talk about Woodley and Askren having each other's back enough. I think that is that is just some good wholesome fun. I think it's hilarious that it's like you got these two grown men who kick butt and you can legit see them. It's like, hey, bro, do you want like half of my fries and all that? Yeah, it's like uh, here, here's an old person reference for you. It's like that sitcom Perfect Strangers. Do you know what that is? I've heard of it, yeah. With Belky and Larry. Well, look look it up for the young folks. Uh, that's basically what we have with uh, Tyron Woodley and Ben Askren. Yeah, like I want Darren Till and Tyson. You know, they got the British thing going on. I, I want to see that relationship grow. <laughs> but no, um, I, I think it's funny. Like I said, anything, you know, 
look, you really want to do it, they match you up well. As long as you're passionate about it, who am I to stop you? I'm ready for some good TV. Um, let's sidetrack a little bit. Natalie, you watch boxing. You got uh, Deontay Wilder. You got Fury. You've got um, Joshua. If he gets, if he has revenge against Andy Ruiz in a couple weeks, who do you think is the top dog in that heavyweight division? Damn, I actually like Tyson Fury most because he has, he has. I think he's the best boxer, like especially with the finesse that he has, and he has power too. Great head movement, all the fainting, fast hands. I haven't seen enough of Andy Ruiz, but obviously an impressive, amazing performance against Joshua. Deontay Wilder is like the the you know Thor's hammer in his fist, but as far as boxing goes, like stylistically. It's a little wild. You know, he throws a lot of crazy overhand rights and uh, can be a little messy. So for my money, uh, I, I like Tyson Fury best. But, uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's, that's what's exciting about the division is the, the top four guys are all really different fighters. They have really different styles and different physiques, which is probably the most interesting <laughs> aspect of that. If you line them all up next to each other, it, it's kind of funny. Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, look, when Anthony Joshua is on, he is a tough customer for anybody. Um, I'm with you on Tyson Fury. He just really does seem to have that. He just got that swagger to his movement, doesn't he? He, he moves well, and that's just such a big understatement. But, man, isn't he good? And, yeah, look, like, like everything else, I mean, you get Deontay Wilder swinging at you. Nobody, you know... It, like, look, n nobody's exactly favored the second Deontay is swinging. So there's a reason why he's undefeated, too. So it's good stuff. I mean, I like it. I think that I, I like that they actually are willing to call each other out. They're trying to make Look, I get it. They want to get paid, don't we all? But they're trying to make this stuff happen, and I'm here for it. So, But, yeah, I'm with you. Ugh. Tyson, but, man, I'm not going to lie. I'm a big Joshua fan. I I really hope Joshua gets back on track and gets back in those talks. I really want to see that. Do you think he's going to beat Andy Ruiz? You know what? I'll be honest. More than any other fight this year, is that one is mental. I think that a sharp Anthony Joshua handles business 10 out of 10. Anything less, and you really, it's anybody's fight. But I think that when you talk, look, there's a reason why Andy Ruiz was pulled out of nowhere, right? you know, and Joshua is who he is. That being said, you know, like, look, anything could happen. And especially if Joshua is not on, then of course this becomes a real pick em fight. But by all means, I've always felt the best Joshua beats the best Andy. Yeah, it's probably true. It's, and, and so I'm a little bummed about that because the storyline is so great for Andy Ruiz. But the pressure is all on him in this, in this rematch. Um, because you don't, well, it's on both, but like his stock rose so high and I think it would sink just as fast in the other direction if he loses, depending on how he loses, because then everyone can just say, oh, it was a fluke. So at the very least, he's got to put on a good performance and, uh, and not get like murked in round one. So we'll see. But, uh, but yeah, I think pressure's on uh, Andrew Ruiz a lot more than, uh, than Joshua at this point. Oh, man, I'd say the opposite. I'd feel like Andy Ruiz loses. What's the worst that could happen, you know? But Joshua loses, and it's like, really, what happened to the guy who beat Klitschko and all that? Um, man, I don't know. 
But no, it's look, it's a big fight. And obviously Andy's going in. It's like, I don't want to be a flash in the pan. I'm not here to be Buster Douglas. I'm here to change my life forever. So, you know, who knows? But I, I'll be tuning into that one. Uh, I don't even think they go head to head with UFC that night, do they? Or do they go head to head with the DC card? Off the I thought it was December 7th. I don't know when, um, when DC is. They might be going head to head with UFC. That's some. Let's see. Uh, yeah, with Overeem, Rosenstruck. Yeah, DC, December 7th. Okay. Oh, man. They were going to. This is just going to be like, you know, Moscow and KSI Logan Paul again. I'm not going to know what to <laughs> I mean, do. One, of these, one of these cards is more important than the other. I'll say that. Yeah, I hear you. Anyway, let's talk about UFC. They make their final trip down to Brazil to Sao Paulo for the fight in the light heavyweight division. Top contender Jan Blahovich will look to welcome jiu-jitsu ace Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Um, Natalie, I'll let you take this one first. How do you see Jacare doing at 205, and how do you see the fight playing out? Yeah, you know what? This is a hard one because Jacare is, you know, he's already peaked. You know, he 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 had like a resurgence, and you thought, oh, the old guy still got it. He beat Weidman, but then he lost again against Hermanson. So and and so, I don't know how he's gonna look. Every time these guys of late, anyway, they go up a, to a new weight class, they don't do so well. Weidman, Rockhold, and except Darren Till, he did all right. It wasn't an exciting perform, an exciting fight, but he got the win. So I'm a little nervous for him, but and I think Jan will want to make a statement like, "Hey, you know, this is my division. You're a big name, but I'm gonna beat you in your hometown." Um. I don't know. I think I think uh, I think it's going to be a tough fight for for Jacare actually. And uh, what I would want him to do is to avoid eating some heavy shots in the first round, feel it out, and that way he can, you know, he can try to win more intelligently. You don't want to see him just get caught right away, and then that's the end of it. Because I want to see more of what his body looks like at this weight class, his stamina, all that good stuff. What do you think? You know what? The thing about Jacare is that when you talk about him at 205, okay, he's going to be the smaller guy, faster guy. That's never really been his style, though. He really has made a lot of success using his physicality. He kind of, you know, he loads up on big shots and he kind of bullies you to the fence where he could just grab a hold of you and suddenly you're in his world, right? That's where he, That's why he's been successful for so many years. At 205, doing that really just obviously is counterproductive. Um, moving up in weight so I would want him to get on the bike a little more the issue is I've never really seen him fight that way even you know you could argue the fight with Weidman he really just kind of stood and banged with him it wasn't really the most you know fast-paced fight he really just kind of stood his ground and kept walking forward if he's gonna get this one I think that his best bet is to get in and out you know try to establish some stuff and you want to see if you could get Jan to overextend himself and get the fight to the ground. That being said, Jan has so much on height and reach that it's very tough to see that working for Jacare. Um, if he's going to do this, I think that that's going to be his best bet. Try to force Jan to reach a little bit. You're going to have to see a different Jacare, but that's how he gets the job done at 205 as opposed to 185 and what we've seen him do. Um, with Jan... Uh, I keep looking back at that Luke Rockhold fight. We don't talk about this. Jan was in fantastic shape. 
fantastic shape. And you're talking about a guy, you know, who was supposed to be a physical specimen in Luke Rockhold. Jan really does, when he's on, he's a very dangerous guy. He's a well-rounded guy. He's tough. He's durable. He's got, you know, a lot of skills in a lot of areas. I really do see him being able to do damage. I see him kind of being able to pick his spots and just wearing down Jacare. I think he knows that, hey, just be patient. If Jacare kind of tries to tie you up, you can outmuscle him. And that's not to say that it's all about power. Jan has undoubtedly been drilling all the clinch work, all that, to really minimize the time that he spends close to Jacare. So I think that the speed, the the size and the skills for Jan just really suit him well in this fight at 205. Um, yeah, I see him getting the job done. I see him getting a third or fourth round TKO. Yeah, I actually see the same. I think I think second or third uh, TKO for uh, for old Jan. Yeah, and also credit to Jacare. He is not about to go away in Sao Paulo. He is here. He is here to show up for his people. I expect him to fight really well, but. Man, Jan is just a tough guy for anybody. And remember, you're talking about a guy a couple months ago, he was in the title eliminator with Thiago Santos, you know. Um, let me throw this one out there because we didn't talk about it too much, but now that we're at this point, Dominic Reyes, does he seem to have it locked in at 205 if John Jones is going to return? Yeah, I think so. I think he's. They think they've gone back and forth enough on, on Twitter and the little heat built up between them. So I think that, that it's probably going to happen. Yeah. I yeah. think he does his work. Yeah, uh, I'll be honest. I think even if Jan turns in another first-round knockout, man, the bar was just set high. And that's uh, even Corey Anderson um, you know, on Johnny Walker a couple weeks later. That's still awesome. But for my money, they really – they care, you know, it's just tough. And I think for Jan, it's very tough for him to leapfrog those guys against Jacare. Now, I will say this. Should Jan win, or even Jacare, I would love to see them against Corey Anderson. I think that's a great fight at 205 to get the ball rolling. What about you? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think, I never would have said this, you know, two weeks ago, but I actually want to see another Corey Anderson fight to see how he, <laughs> to see, you know, how he performs and not not saying that he has to be this like big uh, bomb thrower like he was against Johnny Walker, but now we know he can be a little more exciting and he can, he has probably seen what, what this fight has done for his, for his numbers on social media and his, just his name being out there and potentially for his career. So hopefully he'll keep that in mind with whatever the next fight is, but you'll definitely get more people interested in, in the next Corey Anderson fight just based off of how he beat, destroyed Johnny Walker. I mean, Natalie Z just saying it like it is on Corey Anderson. Oh, man. That's not, I mean, look. No, I and, and no, look, for real, that, that's what we want to see out of Corey Anderson, right? Just come out, go out there and handle it. He did it. And I think that you're right. I think there would be a lot of interest in the next fight, for sure, off of the back of that one. But yeah, so we will see. We will have those results for you next week. Natalie, the final question. This officially caps off probably about, you know, three months of straight UFC events. Next week, we have the week off. No major UFC, Bellator, one championship, PFL, nada. We got it off. What are we going to do? Oh, man. Let's, um... I know. <laughs> Let's just talk to each other and get to know... Or let's talk about our childhoods or something. 
<laughs> you want to lose what subscribers we do have? <laughs> yeah, I do. I want. I want to. I want. I want to lose the ones we have, but I want to like work on building the, the grandma mother crowd. So okay, we'll we'll sit and we'll talk about our feelings. I'm, yeah. I'm down for it. I'll, I'll bring the tissues and I'll sit comfortably. I'll be ready for yeah. I'll you bring know, the cake. Tell every tell you what happened in my heart and soul. I'll tell you. <laughs> anyway, well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Of course, we will be back next week to recap UFC Sao Paulo. Of course, any news that breaks, I'm um, I'm expecting something to happen. I'm expecting them to give us some big fights for January by next week. And guys, have a good one.